0: The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. California is one place I could go where I could kind of dress any way I want. Because, you know, you see the CEOs, these multi-hundred-million-dollar companies that come out, like, the whole look would, like, like you know, you could run into them at Starbucks, you wouldn't recognize them. But, they, but, then, but then I thought, why did I pick this suit, of all things, is almost like I'm conspicuously out of uh, vogue. And then I, I, and I, I couldn't understand it until this morning. I'm looking at my clothes and going, that's what I brought? And the Lord said, you're not going to church, you're going to the embassy. This is what I wear when I meet presidents and ambassadors. This is the outfit. It's like Disney. I tell all my students, there's always an attire that goes with the, uh, you know, the sphere. If you're in the New York Yankees, you wear that. But if you're wearing the New York Yankees outfit to school, it looks kind of out of place. This is the costume I wear when I meet with ambassadors. And the Lord said, I'm to talk to you as though you are Ambassadors. And some of you don't even know that you're called to be ambassadors. You're coming here because someone invited you here today. Well, we're glad you're here. But the truth is, God knew you were going to be here. And, uh, and my mission, I believe, is to share with you the face of the future. I study uh, an interesting group of, oh, you know what? I got products on the table. I do a terrible job. I discovered a pile of products on a table out there, and I said, you know why I have a pile of products? Because in not one meeting have I mentioned I have anything in the lobby. So, (laughs) let me focus for a second on, this was a visual reminder. I've got Doing Business Supernaturally, now this is a wild series, because in it, I discuss the supernatural gifts of the spirit that operate in the natural realm of business. So, for instance, I'll give you an example something I said during the business conference. When I got involved with um, Donald Trump and the election process, I actually only went up to that meeting uh, because somebody put me on a list to meet with Donald Trump after they attended a meeting I did, like in a garage in Florida, teaching friends of mine Seven Mountains and Seven Spheres of Influence. And the guy who was tasked with putting the most important people in the room with Trump when he was just, just beginning his I- integration into politics, they put me on the list. And I didn't think I belonged in the room. So I saw everyone there is well-known. I'm kind of like ninja-like. I stay, in the, I stay off the uh, headlines. And I went up to the elevator guy. I said, is my name actually on that list? And the guy goes, yeah, you're on the list. I go, How come? He goes, because I put you on the list. I said, who are you? He said, I was in a meeting. You did in a garage down in Florida, and God told me then, I'm supposed to get you in front of Donald Trump. So here's something you want to catch. When God wants to put you into the future, he creates divine appointments in the most unlikely places that aren't all about the event you're at. It's about the connection you form at the event you're at for the future he's about to open up. So I go in. Now, I'm in there, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing there. And, and I'm with a group of these senior pastors, ministry leaders, megachurch pastors, and TV, TV network owners. And uh, the only thing I know is I talked to a guy who is like an economist, and he says, uh, there's 30 million small businesses in the United States. One-third of them are owned by people of faith. That's 10 million small businesses owned by people of faith that have family values. Now, those entrepreneurs are basically, they're Protestant-type people that want to have independence from the corporation and the system so they can express their own gifting. How many people in the room right here are independent business owners, you have your own business, you're self-employed? All right, there you go, our demographic. So out of 30 million small businesses, 10 million of them are faith businesses, most people don't know it. The average company has at least a bookkeeper, a wife, uh, and one or two, and as it grows, it has anywhere from three to five people. That's 30 to 50 million people that are in the orbit of influence and power with small businesses that drive 70% of the economics of the nation. They're seventy percent of the employers. It's not the big, the big box stores that make all the money during a COVID plague. They shut you down and the money goes to these big box stores in Wall Street. Because the fat cats make the money, but you guys actually generate the job. 70% of the employment comes through the small business owner. So anyway, that's all I got in my mind. I used to pastor. I pastored for 20 years. But, uh, but I, once I got involved with the seven spheres of influence, I became obsessed with how do we go into there to impact that. So anyway, pastors are talking, the network leaders are talking about well, you know, it's weird. Like, they're talking about basically two issues are social issues that all Christians obsess about, and it's just gotten worse in both areas. It's either going to be abortion or gays. Gays or abortion. So they're talking about that, and I'm thinking, poor Donald Trump. This, this is his vision. He's getting talked to by the spiritual leaders of the country, and all they can do is pick on two certain social things that bother Christians. They don't have a vision for the economic vitality of America. They don't have a vision for the uh, the standing of the United States in the world. I'm thinking, oh, interesting study this is. And then the guy who invited me kicks my chair. He says, I put you in the room to say something. What am I? So... I, I'm, not, I'm not in that chorus of all these social ill complaints. All that I'm thinking, there's 30 million small businesses in the United States. That's all I'm thinking in my head. It's like, it doesn't even fit. So uh, Donald Trump goes, what's happened with Christianity in the country anyway? He goes, he goes look, Bill Maher regularly, these guys, they make fun of Christians. They, they lampoon Christianity. You know, I grew up in the old Billy Graham era. It wasn't like that when I grew up. I mean, if you don't mind me saying so, in my opinion, this is classic Trump. This is when I fell in love with him. In my opinion, you guys have all gotten soft. And then he realized he had insulted a whole room of ministers. And he was trying to convince them he's a Christian. He didn't know what a Christian was back then. So he goes, when I say you, I mean me and we. I mean, the we, we've gotten soft, haven't we? Me too. And it's like, and I'm laughing. And so oh, I get kicked in the chair again. And I go, oh, man, the guy that invited me wants me to speak. And I go, yeah. Everybody's staring at me like, what? Then I have the like, Seinfeld moment hits me. And there's 30 million small businesses in the United States, and one-third of them are owned by Christians, and the average one has three to five employees. That's 30 to 50 million people that would be voting if people would be understanding that you're a man who has an entrepreneurial vision for America that supports Christian values. There's a whole unleashed coalition that needs to be raised up. And Trump's, like, staring with his upper lip sticking out, like, down the table, staring at me across his apprentice table. And I'm I'm realizing he's not going to do that strategy. He's going to go for the Rust Belt. He's going to go for the Democrats. He's going to go for manufacturing. This is a great idea, but it's a weird thing for a guy to be saying in the middle of a room. Well, when it's over, I felt so dumb because, thank you. It's like a weird comment out of left field. Of a good comment, by the way. A brilliant comment, if I don't mind saying so. But uh, not fitting, but I had to say something because I didn't want to get kicked in the chair again. So when it was done, I said, oh, God, what am I doing here? What the heck am I That's embarrassing. What embarrassing. I don't even fit around with Donald Trump, or The Apprentice, with economics, with race issues, and with homosexuality. I, I'm the seven mountain guy. I, this, I don't do this. And here's what the Lord says to me. Every time you pray in tongues, you tell me this is what you want to do. I am a Pentecostal. I actually believe in the supernatural gifts of the spirit. I believe in prophecy, gifts of faith. I give the gifts of healing. I have seen God lead me by gifts of the spirit and open doors and do things that are supernatural. I'm also kind of like an academic, academician. I got my doctorate and I I, I work in business. So I can, I have different, you know, ways I can chameleon-like, you know, adapt to different environments. But the reality is, at that moment, I had the most unusual experience because as a Christian, I know that I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, you can have a prayer language. If you have a prayer language, to me, it's the greatest secret weapon you've got that if you don't have it, you need to get it. Because when you pray in an unknown tongue, the Bible says you edify yourself. The Greek word edify means to build an edifice. You're building an edifice on the inside of you to house a revelation that God is giving you that gives you a unique perspective for what you're doing. Every one of you needs to have a unique perspective for your own life and your own destiny. You know, the Bible says that you can renew your youth like the eagle. Joel says, that I'll restore to you the years. We don't even think about these promises much, but listen, when you get to my age, and like I'm 67 years old, you wouldn't know how to look at me, but I plan on running strong, and you know what? About two months ago, I started getting a text, uh, a blitz, of four friends of mine, my age group, who were all going in for emergency heart procedures. I said, hold it right there. Renewing our youth, longevity, strengthening our heart, finding out how to preemptively anticipate where physical infirmity would try to take us out. That's my priority. This year, I want you to join me. Go to LanceWilla.com forward slash summit. I'm gonna go to the beautiful Trump Doral in Florida and I'm bringing experts with me. Dr. Jordan Rubin, I said, are there longevity secrets? He said, let me talk to you about collagen and intermittent fasting. I talked to Dr. Chansey Crandall, he said, there is an extensive panel of tests that can be done that will preemptively anticipate where the enemy might wanna take you out. And I looked at this list of geniuses we've got. Dr. Neil Goodman talks about the insights of reversing the brain fog, fatigue of long effects of COVID, and Christy Nickel, who's a young lady who is transforming bodies with fitness and weight loss. I can't go into all of it. We even have a miracle service. When they're done teaching, we're going to see God supernaturally restoring years. Go to LanceWenland.com forward slash summit. I'm going there, and I'm looking forward to seeing you because this year is going to be a strong year. Start the year off smart at the summit. Join Lance at the Health and Wellness Summit to discover secrets of longevity, strengthening your heart, and transforming your body. Go to LanceWallNow.com forward slash summit to reserve your spot now. So here's where I wanna go. I wanna start with uh, tying this into what I was talking about earlier today. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. If you got your Bible, I recommend you guys start using Bibles. Let me tell you something. If you have a digital apparatus in your hand, the danger of a digital Bible is that you can check texts and emails and messages. Why would you lead yourself into temptation? <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, I don't have the ability to have my phone with me in a meeting without at a low point or a certain point of multitasking, I feel like just checking on something. And the very moment, I guarantee the moment that you check, you think that doesn't affect you, but it does. I only bring a book and I bring a pen because here's what I want to do. I want to underline or circle anything that hits me during the meeting. Because over the course of 20 or 30 years, the underlines became the things the Spirit of God was telling me. And then as I read the Bible, I go back to the underlined part that he spoke to me before, and it highlights itself, and he gives me another layer, and another layer, and another layer. And before you know it, it's like a code book. So I'm going to give you the code. In the last days, according to the, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 12, We are entering a period of unprecedented shaking. This is kind of important that you get this because you're going to experience, you're going to pray for peace, peace, peace. I'm going to suggest that maybe you don't want to be praying for peace. What you want to pray for is an insight into what God's doing in the chaos. Because if you're living in a period where God is shaking everything, praying for things to stop shaking may not be the prayer that (laughs) gets answered. But praying that you could be unshakable during the Mr. of shaking, maybe be something God is going to move on. So watch this, it says this, it says, um, now this yet, uh, verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, verse 26 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What in the world are we looking at? We're looking at God saying he's going to shake heavens and the earth. Then he's saying, I promise I'm going to do it. Now, a promise is not a threat. We look at the last days with an ominous anxiety about those things that are coming upon the earth. Because we know that there are troubling times coming upon the earth. Then we build, then we have to, we're have we backed into, and this is where your church is. That's why I want to talk to you about it. A very weird juxtaposition. How are you to see the last days? Because it is typical for Christians that do not understand their assignment to look at getting out of here as their priority. I'm out of here. I hear preachers in Dallas and it drives me crazy because they're famous with their eschatology. The only vision they have is the Antichrist is coming, the Great Tribulation, they, you better be ready because the rapture's gonna happen any minute. What does it tell Christians? Loosen up, back up, bite your nails and hope you're ready for the rapture roof to roll back. Because any minute you're out of here. Well, how does that jive with a church that's called to awaken a nation and occupy spheres? How does that fit? Tell me this doesn't produce a kind of end-time eschatological schizophrenia. When When you're detaching yourself because you have no ambition or vision or faith for your nation, you're just watching the toboggan going down, and any day now we're going to be out of here. So you become selfishly, rather strangely, absorbed with your own survival. We become the prepper people. Well, you never know when Jesus is coming back. So I've got all my waters. I've got my underground this. I've got my this. i got my Patriot. And you got, I sell this stuff. I'm like the prepper paradise promoter. So one day I realize, you know what? You're supposed to occupy till he comes, not hide out till he gets here. <laughs> occupy till he comes. Oh, oh, that sounds like a, what did he just say? Occupy till he comes, Jesus said. Not be preoccupied with when you're getting out. Now, I'm convinced that the reason why the shaking is a promise is because, in a way, God is shaking things up so the things that were harder to do will be easier to do because when everything gets shaken, that which cannot be shaken is given an advantage. So, if you're building your house on a rock in an earthquake, a lot of real estate is going to be for sale shortly. It's a tragic scenario whenever all the houses go down. But on the other hand, the person who's built his financial life on a rock, who's built his marriage on a rock, who's built his di- you, when everything else gets shaken and the, and the foundation of what they built on is exposed and it doesn't work, you, it may, it may, it may, be, it may be distressing because you're subject to this storm, but your boat will float because you built it. On the unshakable kingdom. This scripture says, I promise you, I'm gonna shake everything so that everything that's been made can be tested. And that which passed the test will be revealed to be unshakable. It will be built on my word, on my spirit, on my will, with my presence and my people. And that unshakable kingdom is going to be promoted as a result of everything that is made that is in rebellion to me is going to have to come down does that make sense to you all right so now just catch the tension of this if what i'm saying is and I'm just reading the bible the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are made now if you want to go into the advanced class on this the Bible says in Colossians that everything that is made, both visible and invisible, was made by him. Thrones, visible and invisible. That tells me that he's Paul is saying that you see the Roman emperor there, there's a spirit realm above him. Satan has his invisible hierarchy. Human beings have their visible hierarchy. You want to know what's going on in earth? It's the history is the outplaying of the angelic and the principalities in war and the praying life of the church. And what you're seeing is history expressing itself down here as the manifestation of the invisible war of thrones. That's the real game of thrones in the heavenlies. When you have a prophet like Daniel, he reaches up into the spirit praying for his people, Israel, and God shows him he is dealing with the prince of Persia, which is over modern-day Iran. And then he shows him that I'm going to bind that spirit and move it out of the way. Then the prince of Greece will come, which will be Alexander the Great. This is why the Bible's so powerful. It prophesies with accuracy hundreds and thousands of years into the future, and history verifies what the prophet said. Daniel saw Greece will come after, after Iran, after Persia, and then the next generation after that. So Daniel saw successive generations all the way down to the very last one, which is ours. The prophet could see that way, and the battle in the spirit realm will be fought out in the natural realm here. And God is saying, "I think I'm going to shake up the heavenly realm too." Oh no! Look at what it says. I promise. I'm not only going to shake the earth, but also the heaven. Here's a logical question. If we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken here, well, then what heaven is getting shaken? Evidently, there's another realm. This is going a little bit deeper into the theological zone here. But Ephesians chapter 6 says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in, oh, heavenly places. Catch this. I'm going to shake the heavens. This realm here, which is what we'll call third heaven, the heaven of heavens. There's only three heavens in the Bible. Apostle Paul was out of his body, caught up to third heaven. If there's a third, logically, there's a second and a first. Third heaven is a heaven that cannot be shaken because there is a heaven that cannot be shaken. Which one is it? Probably the third. The second heaven down here, oh, that certainly fits. You are at war with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So this realm here is obviously a realm that's going to be shaken. And then the Bible says I'm going to shake heaven And Earth, and in this atmospheric realm, we have the first heaven around the Earth. So now let's take a look at the picture here. What's happening, people? Jesus. When we say Jesus is coming, we think of Jesus is coming like, well, you know, the Bible says Jesus is coming like he's way out there, and then at the last minute, he's going to come over here and rescue you. I would suggest to you that there's a slightly different a description in the Bible. If you go to Luke chapter 21, go to Luke chapter 21, Jesus describes the last days. He says, now when the shaking happens, don't get shook up because I'm doing some things that are actually important to get accomplished. And I don't want you to uh, be disturbed by misunderstanding what I'm up to. So, so Luke chapter 21, check this out. Verse 28, now Jesus says, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. You would think that as many preachers as pour over these verses, there'd be nothing new that could be possibly unearthed. I'd seriously think, I mean, I've been 40 years listening to people preach stuff. And I'm thinking, one day the Holy Ghost goes, draws nigh, look it up. I thought it draws nigh like on the calendar it's getting closer, the Lord's, it's the Lord's coming back, any day now, yay, any day now, it's coming back, coming back, coming back, watch this, the word for draws nigh, that Jesus says, look up, you're down here, oh my gosh, everything's shaking, look up, look up, when it begins to happen, right now, as it's starting, look up, keep your eye focused there, why, because Jesus says, Look up, because the kingdom of heaven draws nigh. I look up the word draws nigh. The Greek word refers to Jesus physically coming near in proximity. It's not the calendar appointment that the end time is coming and Jesus is going to return. It's that he is actually physically getting closer every day. So what's happening is he is physically, geographically coming back. The kingdom of heaven is squeezing like an anaconda the power of Satan and pushing him out of his heavenly place. <laughs> so now you see Jesus look up. The kid draws nigh. I challenge you, look it up. It means both in terms of schedule and physical proximity. And Jesus drew nigh under the gate of Bethany. Or Jesus drew nigh under the... One curious use of it is a child who is, on a, um, who is in a coffin and they were coming out with the funeral. And Jesus drew near with his group. And they intercepted each other. And Jesus messed up every funeral he ever attended, including his own. And so he shows up. And he touches the, uh, the funeral the bear. The, and the kid pops up. And every now the whole thing is rejoiced. They all go together for the next party. What I'm saying is he's drawing near. Heaven is coming to a theater near you. So your challenge is... This realm is under siege. Because it's under siege, everything connected to Satan's realm is manifesting. That's why Hamas is freaking out and North Korea is going to do this and China. The nations are all going to manifest because all of the principality, the invisible thrones are going to manifest through the physical thrones. But then Jesus says this curious thing. Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness to people. Fake news will have powerful influence, but upon you my light will shine. What that means is that in the contrast of the darkness getting darker, and now you could pray all you want. Oh, God, send stability. I agree. But understand what heaven is doing. So Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, see that you are not alarmed, for these things must take place. Why must they, Lord? because I'm pushing Satan out of the heavenlies. We're entering a period of time that has increased hostility against people of faith. It's a time when Christians are gonna be tested on a moral, physical, psychological, and even a financial basis. I'm here to remind you that God is the one who has blessed you thus far, and he will take care of you in the future. You have a divine responsibility, however, to see trouble and prepare yourself. For example, with record inflation eating away at the value of the U.S. dollar, the savings in your retirement account is in danger of slipping away. I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. And that includes no penalties, there's no taxes, when you transfer current retirement funds into Birch Gold. To see how it works, I want you to go to lancewalnaut.com forward slash Birch and get your free info kit, and you'll be glad that you did. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends, because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.